guys, and happy holidays. It's Naki from All Things Good and Nerdy. As you know, we recently had a little trip over to WindyCon, and um, we have we were so lucky to have uh, Keith with us as he edited and put all of this together, so I'm actually going to let him take it away. Hello, listeners. This is Keith, a.k.a. Clone Freak One, two-time guest and friend of the ATGN podcast. For sake of time, I'm here to introduce Naki and I's first foray into intrepid reporting. These recordings were recorded during our visit to WindyCon, a literary convention that was the weekend of November 14th through the 16th of 2014. We had such a fun time that we wanted to do some interviews with the fan tables that were there. Due to location and user error, some of the recordings were beyond repair. We will have to set up separate interviews to replace the ones that were lost or unrepairable. Up first, we have Matt and Sean of the improvised Star Trek pod. They recently just celebrated their 100th episode, and they celebrated it with a live stream show like ATGN does. Um, If I would have heard of their podcast before interviewing them, I probably would have had a Wayne's World, we're not worthy moment. (laughs) That's enough from me. Uh, Here's the interview with the Improvised Star Trek podcast. This is Naki and Clone Freak coming to you from WindyCon. We have with us... I'm Matt Young. Uh, And I'm Sean Kelly. And we're with the Improvised Star Trek show. Uh, We're a podcast. Uh, We do fully comedic, improvised episodes of uh, Star Trek... Uh, board an original ship called the USS Sisyphus. We've been around for <laughs> been around for about four years. We started as a live show. We've been a podcast for about three. Okay, very cool. I've actually heard of the show, uh, the live show of Improvised Star Trek, but I've never actually got to see it because we don't live in the city. Yeah. We're not that cool. <laughs> Living in the suburbs. Right. You know. Um, so tell us about your show. Tell us how, how you choose an episode and go from there. Uh, just to talk about the, the way the podcast works, uh, Probably every two weeks, uh, we record new episodes, and what will happen is we'll record on Sunday, and then the day before, on Saturday, uh, we'll go on our social media accounts, so on Facebook and Twitter, and we'll say, hey everybody, uh, we're recording tomorrow, can we please have a title, a suggestion of the title of a Star Trek episode that has never existed, uh, and we'll probably get somewhere between 50 and 120 suggestions, uh, and then we'll record the, the next day we'll look through all the suggestions we'll pick the ones that we want to do uh we'll usually laugh a lot at the ones <laughs> at the ones we get yeah we get great suggestions from our fans and they're really creative and fun yeah and then to warm us up we'll do you know three to five single scenes uh and you know just to get in character and to, to kind of get the feel for the show and then we'll record two full-length episodes. Uh, and then once we've recorded those episodes, not every episode we record ends up becoming an actual episode of the podcast. Okay. We only pick the very best ones uh, to release Which out in the world. And we do we go through a whole editing process where we add music and sound effects uh, and you know clean things up if the sound is off. Yeah, if you if you listen to the the podcast though, what you're hearing is 95 and 98 percent improvised, and all the editors really do is. They, like Sean said, they clean it up, they add the sound effects and the music, but you are hearing seven people just on the in the moment, like 
speaking and interacting to create okay. the, the world that, that we live in. Well, that's really, really cool. Like, what is, what is, so what would be your, like, favorite episode that you guys have done? Is that, or is that too hard of a question? No, <laughs> uh, go, you go first. Okay. Uh, we might say the same one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it's the episode where we had an episode that, where we had uh, we did a basically a parody of social media, okay. uh, and we had a character on the show who was sentient sponsored content. Uh, who uh, for Mike's hard limited? Yeah, for Mike's hard limited. <laughs> who had gotten onto the, the ship and was causing all kinds of problems. Uh, and that's that's my favorite. Episode. Yeah, so it's a very like sci-fi premise, but with a totally silly, ridiculous slant. Yeah. Uh, so it's, that's the kind of thing that we specifically love to do. My favorite episode, you might remember the title, but bad at remembering titles clearly. There was one where uh, one of the characters, since we've been playing the same characters for four years, I play Captain Julius Valentine Baxter, and Sean is Lieutenant Commander Crick Watson. Uh, since we, and, and the group of like seven, eight of us have played the same characters for years and years and years now, but we still improvise with these characters. There was one episode where one of the characters is talking to a school, uh, a school group of children, okay. and starts to tell a story about something that's happened to us. And you realize he's an unreliable narrator, so we're all playing like these versions of us, but through his point of view. And then Sean's characters came in, and it's like, no, 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 I'll finish telling the story, and then you get his version of what we all act like. Yeah, it's, so it was really fun. It's kind of our Rashomon homage. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it was also a Christmas episode. Yes. Uh, so I think that was Santa got run over by a shuttle crab. That's correct. That is. The that title sounds that. amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's probably my favorite. Those both sound like a lot of. So you're obviously Star Trek fans. Yes. Um, we were just talking with Jen uh, about her music that she did. Now, yeah. she got started with you guys, right? Yeah. Actually, there was an episode uh, where we run into a Klingon ship. So this is, again, all improvised. We run into a Klingon ship. We meet the commander and his daughter, and he's trying to teach his daughter to be a proper Klingon commander. Which and is like an awkward teenage girl. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so us being the kind of weird ship we are, we decide to throw a prom for her. That's really cool. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I want to go to Klingon prom. <laughs> when, when I was in high school, like one of the big songs that they used to play at proms all the time was Kiss Me by Sixpence and Richard. So we had a comment about how that song was playing, and then someone said, of course, it sounds better in the original Klingon. Uh, which is a reference to Star Trek VI when they talk about handling. Yeah, yeah, they talk about Shakespeare sounding better in the original Klingon. So then uh, our editors said, well, why don't we find somebody who can actually translate the song Kiss Me by Sixpence and the Richer into Klingon, and then we'll just play this background music during the prom scene. Like, that was originally all it was supposed to be, and then we got involved with uh, the people from Klingon Christmas Carol, and they used to listen to Jen, and she recorded the song, and it was great, and we loved it. And then we ended up shooting a music video with her, and then she went off and made her album, which is awesome. The music yeah. video kind of went viral. I think it's got like 152,000 views right now. Yeah, she, like that. that's what she was telling us and how big it got. And yeah. she, that's really cool that she got her start with you guys. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. That's just, to me, that's just amazing, like how the communities can really you know, come together and yeah. create yeah. something so cool. We're, we're really lucky that we, we are sort of in a weird Venn diagram of, like, geek culture and the comedy community in Chicago right. and, like, theater we, culture. Yeah, so we, like, whenever we do have these specific needs, there's always people we can reach out to and everyone's always so supportive and so, like, willing to help out and, like, vice versa. Like, we go and we do 
other shows for people as like fundraisers, and like we're always trying to, to do what we can to like you know make the world a better place. So it's more like Star Trek. It, it's very nice. Like it's it's really really cool. Um, so if do you, do you like doing the podcast, or would you prefer to do live? Do you like doing both? Like how do you? They're sort of different animals. Yeah. Uh, and actually, as we are, you know, the show started as a stage show, and uh, it actually was a big learning curve for us as stage actors learning to do an audio show. Yeah. There's a lot of like we learned like early on, like we have to say our characters' names all the time. Right. It's not something you have to do on stage because otherwise people can't tell who's in the scene. Right, uh, it's hard to tell voice from voice, right? Right, and, and, and it feels more like a radio play from the 30s or 40s in that sense that we have to be very conscious of like how we're presenting the ideas that we're putting out there. Uh, whereas a stage show, there is, yeah, we get some more leeway because like there's a, that visual element that like helps create those connections for people. Um, but the, the live show is also much looser and much more fun in a, like a silly, wild energy way, whereas the podcast is like so much more precise and really funny in its own way. But I, I, it, they're really tough for me to separate. You know? right. I do love that when we record the podcast, we can just sit in a living room and eat donuts while we record, which we can't do <laughs> when we do the stage show. Well, yeah. you could, but it might take away from that element just a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, it's, like, it's always like a fun brunch. Usually Sean hosts us and we all come over and we talk for a while and we talk about the, the episode of Doctor Who that was on the night before and then we talk about Star Trek and then we record as if we were in a world of Star Trek. Okay, so we asked this of Jen too. Yeah. I am a person who is trying to get into Star Trek, but yes. I don't know where to start. So where would you recommend starting? That's tough. Uh, I am a huge Star Trek fan and like watch, I've probably seen every episode of Next Generation six times each but like I recently <laughs> only, went, only a few times went back and tried to watch Next Gen again and like it's, it can be tough getting into those first couple seasons if you haven't already seen it uh, it's but, a 25 year old show you know yeah. and the other one is almost 50 years right um, so I would say I mean maybe look for like a best of list online like a best of Next Generation episodes or something like that yeah I would say if you're gonna hop in uh, hop in with Next Gen it's, I think it's the most accessible in a lot of ways. And maybe skip that first season and be and be real patient with the second season. Once it hits the third season, it's really cooking. Watch the first episode of the first season. Encounter, yeah, yeah, you're right. Encounter Farpoint is really good. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. So do you, okay, so you're obviously not of the fandom that I've, I've run into in the past where they're like, oh, you're not, you haven't watched Star Trek yet? You'll never watch it. You'll never like it. So, no, and then, not at all. I would never feel that way. I will, I will encourage everyone to watch Star Trek. If you've never watched Star Trek, that's fine. Uh, it would be great if you could. Uh, <laughs> and I understand that it's not for everybody, but, like, I honestly believe that, like, if I sat there and cherry-picked episodes that I think are really fantastic, even somebody who's like, you know, this isn't for me and I'm never going to watch it. Like, if you watch Tapestry, which is from, like, the fifth or sixth season, right. it's just one of the best hours of TV ever made. It's and it's really good. Patrick Stewart's an amazing actor. <laughs> I like, like watching him just in his real life. Form. Right. Like, just as he is. He's just, just charming and wonderful. <laughs> and you're like, oh, he's so good. And, like... I think there are always those moments that sort of transcend the genre, you know, the yeah. life in a really great show like that, that that anybody could access and enjoy. So how did you guys start watching Star Trek? Did you start as kids? Did you, um, was it something that, like, your parents got you into? Or? I, my parents are not into Star Trek at all. Okay. Uh, like, my, my dad was, like, a football player in high school, and my mom was a cheerleader. 
and I think when my brother and I started watching Star Trek, they were like, I don't know. Uh, and I think I got into it originally because I was in like elementary and middle school, and I was like, there are cool spaceships on this show. And then it just happened as I aged that I was like, also, very interesting intellectual concepts about space exploration and human nature. Uh, so, I don't know. I came for the spaceships and stayed for the lessons about life. Right. <laughs> and who doesn't like good life lessons in, involved with spaceships? Right. Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the sweet spot right there. So outside of Star Trek, what would you consider yourself fans of? Ooh, I'm a big DC Comics guy. And okay. A, and I'm a big Marvel Comics guy. Okay. Yeah. I have to side with, with Sean. I'm a Marvel Comics person over DC. Sorry. I, I, well, no, that's, I mean... <laughs> that's totally fine because I think that's actually the right place to be right now, for sure. <laughs> I've historically been more into DC, but right yeah. now I'm not reading anything. I just kind of gave up on it. Yeah. I understand. I'm uh, a big, I'm a big, I'm a and big, Doctor Who. Yeah, okay. We, we both love Doctor Who. I'm a big book nerd. I love uh, epic fantasy and science fiction. Uh, I just read voraciously. So. Uh, we actually were just talking about that with um, but he was. T- uh, we were talking about Jim Butcher. Now, have you guys read the Dresden Files? Or I have not. I have not. But I, I, it's been on my like to read list forever. Uh, Clone Freak got me into it. Yeah. I've read some read, of the like, short short stories in the anthologies that I read. He's an interesting writer. Not. You read for the story and not for the depth of story, I think, sure. is how to, how to put that. Kind of like a J.K. Rowling type thing. It's, it's it's light enough, but it keeps you moving forward. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's a really, really good series. That's one that I always recommend to people now, now that he's gotten me read. Like, I read all 13 in, like, less than a year. Oh, wow. Just like, it was one that kept you moving. But, like, so what would be your favorite favorite series of books that you've been reading? Oh, man. I know everybody's reading it now, so it's kind of a cliche, but I really do love Song of Ice and Fire a lot. Uh, I read the whole series in, like, 2005, <laughs> or what had been written up to that point. Uh, and I'm, like, so excited that other people are into it. And, I like, my big thing now is, like, I really want to find those people who've never read fantasy books before and who are reading A Song of Ice and Fire now. And being like, oh my god, you also have to read Joe Abercrombie and Scott Lynch and Patrick Rothfuss. And like, I just want to tell them about all the other stuff that they'll also like if they like that. <laughs> if yeah. you like this style, you'll also like... Yeah, I think if you come see one of our live shows, like, usually we hang out. We just hang out with the, the people whose audience come to see it that night. Like, I think we're very much of the mindset, kind of the opposite of what you were saying. People are like, if you don't like it, you're never going to watch it. Like, right. we really want to promote people getting involved in things, even yeah. if they're barely interested, they feel like it's too hard to get into, like, like just try it out, get in it a little bit, and, like, ask questions, like, the internet's there, you can learn whatever the hell you need to learn to, like, fill in those gaps now. Right. It's so much easier to become a fan of something now than it used to be in the past. Right. right. And that's how, I'm really big into comic books, that's, I worked in a comic book shop and everything like that, so, like, I'll, I'll get new people in, and you'll you'll always have, like, those fans who are like, well, if you never read this, you're never going to understand what's happening, and I'm like, sitting here like... No, here's Ultimate Spider-Man, or not Ultimate Spider-Man, I'm sorry, Spider, uh, the Superior Spider-Man, Superior. where <laughs> where Doc Ock takes over Spider-Man, and then they just stare at you like you're crazy. But it's but, so good! Exactly, okay, thank you, somebody agrees with me that it was a really good no, series. it was great. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think there are always those onboarding points, and I think it it's something we've worked on in our show to like be conscious of, of being like, okay, episode 83 and episode 27, like, Go watch those, listen to those, rather, and then you'll like you'll get enough that you get into it, and you right. can go back and figure it out. I think it's the same thing with any of that stuff. It's like I always try to like if people ask me about comics, I'm like, well, you, you got to read, you know, and, and it's like cliche stuff at, at this point for like hardcore nerds, but like if somebody's never read the Killing Joke, 
or right. never read The Dark Knight Returns, like that blows their mind. Yeah. yeah. And then they just want to, they'll start to like get their own hunger for it and find the things that appeal to them. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. something that we, we try to like, we, I'm more onto like opening people up to things mm-hmm. than to just keep them in their own. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And it, that's something that, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot. So, okay, sorry, we'll get back to. Um, <laughs> I think you just touched on it kind of, but I was going to ask you guys for your podcast, for somebody starting out, Yeah. would you tell them to start at the beginning or start in the middle or start? You know? So we actually recorded uh, like a mid-crew episode uh, or kind of like a mini piece of bonus material. If I was going to start somewhere, that's what I where I would start because it's basically like, here's Captain Baxter. This is what he's like. Here's uh, Kirk Watson. That's what he's like. Uh, and it just goes through the whole cast that way. You definitely can start at the beginning. Uh, there are a couple episodes, like there's one called Space Adventure, which is just a really dumb generic name, but it's actually also a pretty good episode that like gives you a feel for everybody in it. I think it's number like I want to say like fifty-ish something. I it's definitely called Space Adventure. Though. It's pretty. The early numbers. On. It's pretty early on. We had a, like a write-up in the, in the AB Club that was like, "This is a great show, and that's an episode you should start at." Yeah, and it's about halfway through the run. So we're about to hit one hundred. We're actually doing a live stream podcast on November twenty-third. Oh, that's really cool. That's um, that's actually how we we operate is we're a live streaming podcast. So yeah, cool. <laughs> it's, it, this is new for us is to actually edit oh, something together. Oh, okay. This is like, this all is new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're the other way, because uh, so doing uh, sound effects and music on the fly is a little bit trickier for us, Yeah. Uh, but we, we've done it one other time, and we're excited to do it again. Yeah. So um, how often do you guys update then? Are you once a month, or are you like... We release a, a new full episode every two weeks. Okay. And usually we also release bonus material in the other, other weeks. Okay. So, so we, there should be something new in your feed every week. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So that's really cool. And you said you've been together, you've been podcasting for four years? Or was that the live show was four years? We've been podcasting for three years. Three years. Okay. I think the show's been going up oh, for five. For four or five. Yeah, 2009, Actually, right? I think it's been exactly five years, like this month. Oh, wow. Congratulations! Yeah, we did. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, um, let it give us your information. You can you can say it right now if you'd like, or we can um, put it all up on our feed. Uh, we are the Improvised Star Trek. You can check us out at improvisedstartrek.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher or iTunes or any other podcast service that you use. Yeah, and Matt's got it. Although the website is the Improvised Star Trek. No, we've got both again. Oh, do we have both again? We've got both again. <laughs> we had to be the for a while. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been having fun at WindyCon. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is our first year here, so we're we're still experiencing all the new stuff that they do. This is way different than doing, like, C22 in New York and right. all that stuff. So this is really fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Such nice gentlemen. As you heard during their interview, it sounded like we talked to somebody else. And surprise, surprise, yes, we did. We talked to Jen, the Klingon pop warrior. Without further ado, I'm going to let Naki introduce her. Take it away. Hey Start guys, over. it's Naki and Clone Freak coming to you from WindyCon. Right now we have our warrior woman with us, Jen. Jen, the warrior woman Klingon. <laughs> The Klingon pop warrior. I'm just, and I'm absolutely floored by her project. I'll let her tell you about it. Um, so, Jen, take it away. Let us know. Tell us what you're here for. So, I am Jen, 
uh, online, uh, you may see Jen Bom Tai Talk Cool. I am the Klingon Pop Warrior. Uh, this year I did a Kickstarter to release a CD of songs in Klingon. Uh, they are all pop songs. It is the first pop music EP release <laughs> in the Klingon <laughs> language. Um, I, it, I, I had done, last year I got roped in actually with Improvised Star Trek. I had done a Klingon Christmas Carol for two years. And in doing that show, I learned uh, basic Klingon pronunciation and the whole show is in Klingon and uh, grammar and stuff like that. I'm not fluent, <laughs> but I sound like I am. And that's what matters, right? As long then, as you can fake it until you make it. Right. Um, but I do know what I'm, I'm singing, so that helps. And I uh, last year, Improvised Star Trek, in an episode, one of their improvisers had this fantastic moment of specificity and talked about Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Mm -hmm. And by the end of that particular episode, they realized they needed to have it in the Klingon language. So they all pulled out their Klingon dictionaries and tried to translate it, realized they were in way over their head. They're actually based in Chicago. And so they got in touch with the Klingon Christmas Carol folks lo uh, locally and said, can you help us? And they said, absolutely. So they got together, the, Com the uh, Commedia Beauregard Theater, and they got their translators, and they translated the song, gave it back to Improvised Star Trek. They went to go record it, and were like, oh, wait a minute, we are still in way over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> and said, went back, said, do you know anybody who could sing it? And they said, you need to talk to Jen. She did the show for two years, and she's a singer. So... They asked if I wanted to do it. I said, oh my gosh, yes. And went in, recorded it. We had such a good time. The recording was really funny. And we, when we were done, we said, oh, we should make a music video. So we made this music video. Yeah, I jumped around in front of a green screen in my Klingon ridges. And we put it up on YouTube. And within 48 hours, it had like 100,000 views. We got featured on the Mary Sue and Gawker and MTV Geek and... And all like all these blogs picked us up. Team Coco, out of, <laughs> like we're going what? And so we got all these hits, all these views, and and people liked it. That was what was so funny was we had so few dislikes. Like there were almost no thumbs down, and all of the comments were really positive. And we're like, wow, that is so weird. <laughs> What's going on with YouTube? And uh, and we really wanted to to kind of capitalize on it then, but we were all so busy. So uh, I was singing in a band. I finally had some time this year. And I'm going, I'm going to do a Kickstarter. I had just gotten, I was waiting for sort of the right group of songs to show up. Right. And I got the right songs. I got Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. <laughs> My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. <laughs> that one's the one that I just, I, I have to listen to that one. Like, I've got your, I got your flyer, so I have to get that song. <laughs> Tach, Tach, Uh And I, I got, um... I, da, 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 da. I, I redid Kiss Me. I wanted to re-record it. When we did it for the music video, it was just a crappy karaoke track that we found online. Right. So that didn't have any backing vocals. So this time I wanted to give a real music treatment. Like, I went into a real recording studio. I brought in musicians that I had worked with in bands, not Klingon bands, <laughs> to, you know, to go into the recording studio. I had the translators who worked on a Klingon Christmas Carol translate to, uh, some of these songs. They, they are one of the guys. Uh, the translation I did, "Let It Go" from Frozen. That translation is <laughs> actually listed on it's on the Klingon Language Institute website. Is it really? That's so, so cool. These are they're all legitimate Klingon translations of these songs. And uh, and I went in and I did I 
I did it. And then I actually hit two stretch goals. So I actually did Bad Romance by Lady Gaga. And the ultimate, the one that I was super, super excited about, I got Love is a Battlefield. Did you really? Oh, yes. that's awesome. <laughs> Chet on, on, oh, pardon my eh. So uh, that one, that was super exciting. So the CD was six songs. I did very limited CDs, but now it's all on Amazon, iTunes, CD, uh, CD Baby, Google Play. Um, I, so, yeah. so it's really available. Anybody can get it anywhere. Anybody which is can, awesome. Yeah, anybody could get it. The Kickstarter I did so that I could pay for the song rights because they're actually translations um, and not really filked necessarily. Right. Uh, some of them, some of it's funny, especially if you watch the Kiss Me video and you see that translation. Some yeah. of it's very funny, but some of it is actually like direct translations, and that's really really cool. Right. <laughs> so I didn't want to mess around legally, right. so I paid for the song rights to be able to do the CDs and the digital downloads. I, you know, and all of that, which was not almost as expensive as the CDs. <laughs> right. I was gonna say like those those don't those are not cheap. At all. No, and I have to re-up them. So you, when you buy them, you actually buy them for chunk, like blocks. So like a hundred CDs, four hundred downloads, or whatever. So right. as soon as I sell four hundred downloads, I have to re-up those song rights. Yeah. So, so. always pay for it. Is what yes. you're saying. <laughs> we talk about that a lot on ATGN and how we don't believe in piracy. You know, we want people to actually pay the artists for their craft. Exactly. You know, they, we work hard for it. Exactly. <laughs> it might be Britney Spears, but somebody wrote that song. Right. And so you know, I'm giving credit where credit's due, and so. Tell us about the Klingon Christmas Carol. How did you get involved? Oh, so that, I did that the first two years. It was in Chicago. This is its last year in Chicago, and is I'm it really? really excited. We have to go see it again. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we saw it last year. We loved it, so we, yeah. wanted, we want to make sure we see it again. And uh, that show, I actually lived in Minneapolis for a while, and that's where it originated. Okay. And so I knew about it from there, and then came to, uh, when it came to Chicago, it, uh, I, I found out they were moving here, and I said, oh my gosh, how do I get involved in that? I heard about it back there. I knew the artistic director for the theater company. Okay. He said, come out and audition. He goes, are you allergic to latex? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so I went out and auditioned, and I... I I picked up the language really quickly, and and just he knew me from shows that I had done previously, and yeah. it was it just worked out great, and I fell in love with it. And doing that show was what made me fall in love with Star Trek fandom, actually. So, so um, where where did if you were going to recommend somebody to watch Star Trek and start, you know, would you tell them to start with the original series, or would you tell them to oh. start with? Those Are specific? you asking them if they're if she if she's original no, 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 or no, no, next no. generation? Because that's I, not okay. that's a bad. I am I am I am of <laughs> the newer. I, I'm sure. still not really sure where to break into with Star Trek. So where would you tell people to so break into? So being a, a recent convert, like in the last four to five years, personally, I think if you can push through the first season of Next Generation, absolutely worth it. Also, as a woman, I enjoyed Voyager a okay. lot because it, you've got a female captain. Yeah. So, and I, I loved Janeway, especially in the first season with her space bun. She had this great hair, <laughs> and like it never moved. So, like they, it didn't matter how much the ship got beat up, like her hair was still perfectly quaffed, and I loved that. She also has a great vote. Like Kate Mulgrew's vocal cadence is fantastic. Like that's healthy in that in, nebula. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love her in Orange Is the New Black. Oh my gosh! So. <laughs> yes, 
Yeah, completely different role, but, but, still, but still strong and amazing. Yeah, she's one of those people that is like you look up to her and you know she's going to be a strong female. Role, yes, like no matter what she's in. Exactly, and yeah, definitely. I I enjoyed Voyager because of that, and I. But next gen, I've been pushing myself through, and the first season is a little rocky, but worth the payoff. Worth it. Okay. Because okay. yeah, like there's a lot of people who I know, including myself, where like there's just so much Star Trek. It's overwhelming, and you're like, I don't, I don't know where to start. Like, yeah. it's all there's and so that, much. And the first season of Next Gen is really cheesy sometimes. It really is. But it's so good. But but really, it's such a great. It builds up the world so well, and the characters. Riker without a beard is real weird. <laughs> Everybody is real weird. But you know, it's. Uh, but I really like it. I actually just. I blew through the first three seasons just <laughs> while I was building this costume that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> which, is, which is very, very well done. Thank you. This is an original series, Mara from Day of the Dove. Okay. So. okay. <laughs> it's funny seeing the Klingons. Um, they were, you guys were full garb at the beginning of the con, con but now you guys are it, kind of petered out. It's like, slowly tap, tapering yeah. down to less and less. <laughs> Sunday, it's great. We do original series Sundays. I'm actually a member of the Klingon Assault Group as well. Oh, and okay. so I'm here with my cag ship, kind of promoting that, helping out with the Klingon Christmas Carol promotion and my CD. And uh, and so, yeah, original series Sundays, it's that day to, like, take off the ridges. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to worry Don't about have, all the latex. No latex, <laughs> no prosthetic adhesive dripping down your face. And it just it feels really relaxed. And, and the costumes are real fun and, you know, yeah. a little gold and flashy. And, so. I really like the beading at the top. The Thank you. The beading is very nice. Yeah, I, it's... It was really hard to find the right beads. <laughs> I know that they like, can't see it in podcast land. Right, but uh, yeah. I had to use two beads for each one on the original <laughs> costume. I tried so hard on this one to really uh, to really go as close to screen accuracy as I could, um, but still be con friendly. I think yeah. she, Mara actually wears like shorts, and I was like, oh no, not at a convention. And especially because it's snowing outside, yeah. you know. <laughs> She's in like a onesie, and all I could think about was what a nightmare it would be at a convention to be in like a onesie and have to go to the bathroom. Right. Like, I, well, there's like the, this whole new fashion thing of like women wearing onesies as like a fashion statement now, and I'm like, how do you pee? Do you just like yeah, shove you it to your face? Right. You're like, just robe? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, thank you. It's, it's way too much, too much work. I just, you know, pants off. There we go. I can right. go. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about learning the Klingon language. Like, did you? You said you're not fluent, but you picked it up rather quickly. Is it like, is it really difficult? Because there's a lot of fluctuation. And <laughs> right. The grammar structure is is complicated. It, for it's just different. It's very alien. It's not something we're used to. If you've ever right. tried to, uh, I studied Japanese for a little while. Okay. And it's just like that. It's completely. You have to throw away everything you know about the English language and just. Like try to embrace this new concept, right? Um, so it's a lot of uh, the most of the verbs are actually in present tense, okay. which I think is really fascinating because it's a warrior culture. Their motto is "Today is a good day to die." So right. of course they wouldn't have a lot of past or present tenses because like it's a very live in the moment kind of thing. Yeah, you can make things past tense and future tense, but there's a lot of prefixes and suffixes. The words are fun. Like learning the vocabulary is actually really fun because it's. There's a lot of puns okay. in the language. <laughs> um, some of my favorites for the word uh, for heart, the word is tick, like a ticker. Okay. And uh, the word for blood is ew. <laughs> uh, word for I uh, since I I'm a singer and musician, uh, the word for guitar is lesh pal. Okay. <laughs> so that's he, awesome. Yeah. Um, 
what else is there? There's a, a I don't. It, it's stuff like that. It, it, there's a lot of that. It, oh, the, the word for nurse is ratchwit. <laughs> so nurse ratchet from uh, one flew over the cuckoo's yeah. nest. There's a, a lot of little Easter eggs like that in the language. You really have to. You really have to think about when they were developing it. Like they they had to do something so everybody would understand it. I mean, it's not like right. Well, and with the pronunciation, the pronunciation's kind of weird, but uh, when he was developing it, because the Klingons had a lot of, like, mouth prosthetics and, and like, fake false teeth, mm-hmm. he had to develop something that they could speak through the fa- the false teeth. So it's it's very guttural. It's a lot of... <laughs> and... <laughs> like, so can you do, like, a Wookiee impression with that, then? Or yeah, that you that could. <laughs> very good. <laughs> But yeah, so as I'm crossing the streams there, I know. But yeah, no. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. But it's uh, but it is it's very guttural. So you know, Hitchop is kiss me. It's all very in the back of the throat. So how much water would you go through going through a recording session? With like, oh my god, it was a very long six hours to get that. Did you, was it six hours per song or for the whole thing? For the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, okay. And I I did some cleanup on uh, I. I had to do some cleanup a little bit later, but I recorded almost the entire thing in six hours with my musicians. The funny thing was, was my musicians, because they aren't familiar with Klingon, I had to re when we were doing their instrumentation, I was doing the songs in English. Okay. So first I did all the songs in English to get the, their, for them and their timing and to, for them to play, and then I went back and I, re, I did all the vocals after they were done right. and did all of it in Klingon. So it was a long day. Were, were they expecting the Klingon or did you surprise that on them? Or? No, they knew. Uh, we actually rehearsed for about a month and that was why we were able to go into the recording studio and really and pound, just, out, get it out. Yeah, pound out all the songs. Because we did six songs in about six hours. And, oh, and I, it took about, I did about two takes. I think I did two takes per song on the vocals. I completely screwed up one of them so I had to go back later and re-record it. But, um, but yeah, it's, I tried to keep it very simple. I, yeah. I wanted the idea of it was it was it's a an acoustic guitar, bass, and a war drum, a badron uh, is what ended up being used, and uh, and then the vocals. And I didn't layer on any harmonies. I kind of the idea was to go on a ship. Say you're on a ship and it, they've been away from home for a while. You're in the mess hall. Somebody busts out a guitar. Somebody busts out a drum, and somebody <laughs> starts singing, and they're singing songs from the home world. Well, that's so really cool. And that's yeah. a really cool concept. <laughs> yeah, just a, a really like pared down, simple, and it's surprisingly easy to listen to. <laughs> I, I really, once it was all done, I mean, we laughed. We thought it was funny, but we're like, wow, that that actually sounds kind of nice. <laughs> you know, that, that sounds like something you could turn on and relax to. So. Right. Yeah, it's uh, the, the coolest thing I, I think. I've, have you ever heard the, like the Life Aquatic soundtrack where that that guy did all the Dave Bowie songs in like Portuguese? Like doing things in different languages is amazing. Yeah. It's just like it, you you take the you take the actual like uh, the meaning behind the words out and you just like listen to it as a piece of music, which is it's really cool that you're doing it. And in Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> in Klingon of all languages. One of, the, one of the things that I'm hoping to do in the next couple of weeks, I, I wanted to actually compile all the lyrics together, and then I'll put like a PDF on my website so that people can go and see the words and see the translations back, you know, side by side. And Future generations of Klingon singers will be thanking you. Yes. <laughs> there actually is an app called uh, Klingon Bome, I believe, uh, on 
Android, and it has most of the word, the, the lyrics. It was created by one of my translators, so it actually has oh. most of the Klingon lyrics for my songs. I think the only one missing is Bad Romance, maybe. Okay. And uh, and then a bunch of other random songs translated into Klingon, like Kung Fu Fighting and the Star Spangled <laughs> Banner. So <laughs> That's still that's just so cool. Well... Thank you very much yeah. for coming over and, and talking with us. Um, is there anything you want to you want to plug all this and make sure everybody gets your information? Uh, the Klingon Pop Warrior Project. Uh, w- the album is called Warrior Woman. It's you can look it up on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, CD Baby, uh, Klingon War- KlingonPopWarrior.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. You can slash Klingon Pop Warrior. And I'm on Twitter, too, at Genusellis, uh, J-E-N-U-S-E-L-L-I-S. That's my real name. So. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll hear from ATGN Podcast. That's us. So awesome. <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know when everything is up on the air. And thank you so much. I appreciate you coming over here. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, Jen. Yep. What a nice lady. Up next, Draftsman, the other special guest from the podcast, And I got a chance to sit down and talk about the TV show Constantine. And here it is. Hey guys, it's Naki live from WindyCon with Dressman and Clone Freak. And they are talking about Constantine and the effects of the occult. Um, They're going to talk the character and everything like that. So take it away, guys. So we 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 started talking about things and then we were like, we probably should record this. So, um... What were we getting into before we... I think you were commenting on how we like magic in general, how you like magic. And I think we all do. We all believe in it. We all want things to be easy, simple, just like one, two, three, and you're done. Yeah. But the, the problem with that is that you, you, you don't realize there's like pitfalls to it. There's like, you know, it's like with gasoline. You're like, yeah, awesome. We have power. But then we have smog. Yeah, that's so, true. So... I like shows like Constantine because they explore the, this concept of, yeah, you can have magic, you can have these wonderful things kind of come out of nowhere, but then you have these pitfalls of, of, you know, like, you know, these monsters that kind of arise out of this power you unleashed, this, this very primal force. So, uh, in Constantine, I just kind of dig the idea of the character because we do have this confidence man with this, this guy who's tapped into magic. Yeah. And he can solve all, uh, a lot of our problems, but it, it comes with just the baggage, or, you know? Yeah, well, there's there's always, like, all, all the characters or all the characters that know him for the longest time seem to, like, especially in the show, are always like, oh, he's just don't mess with him because something's going to go bad. Even though he'll solve one problem, he'll create, like, three or four more, you know, with, with the magic that he does, which is really cool. I'm kind of wondering how long they can run a show like that because it, it is going to be a dark show. There's no happy endings. Yeah. You know, and the idea of, you know, great, we, we save one person. Oh, that person's still damned to hell. <laughs> it's like, oh, we solved this problem. Didn't somebody die? Or yeah. more than one person die? They had, well, it was it even in the first episode, what his, his, um, his helper got hurt. Like, and then he came back. But I don't know what his power is. Do you um, do you know anything about that, or do you, that's, they just kind of allude to that kind of? No, I don't know enough about Chaz in general. Uh, the here, here's what I know about Constantine, and here's where my background with him comes from. My background 
comes from uh, reading the Alan Moore stories. So you do get this idea that he's a confidence man. He has an idea of what the world is, but he, he's only a few pages ahead of you in the script. He's not all-knowing, all-seeing kind of character. So things can creep up on him without you realizing it, without him realizing it. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I like how they're getting into the like the mysticism of the, like the DC universe right away. Like they showed the the fate mask. Is that what it's the doctor? Yeah, the, his helmet. Yeah, they showed that in the first episode. That was really cool. I mean, those are like the characters that I like because, like we've already talked about the magic. I mean, they're not superheroes. They don't get it from like radiation or anything. They've but and they've got like. I mean, it's always the power without respons- with responsibility type thing that they have going on. Mm-hmm. But this is even this is like times ten. I don't know where I'm trying to go with it, but well, I think what you're trying to tap into is just there's this always concept of maybe we can wander into the right place, read the right book, and then we can ourselves kind of wield that power. Yeah. My thing with anything like that is just like, yes, you now have you know the strength to you know. Lift the car, but what is that going to do? That's going to have a, a side effect somewhere else. One of, one of the big things of uh, Constantine in general is that everything that he has done has had consequences. Everything that he does carry does bring with it like baggage. So, you know, unlike, uh, I, I would say, I don't know, like Satara, you know, it's like she says magic voice, she does magic tricks, and you, you understand that there's power there, but... I, you know, it wasn't until we saw shows uh, like uh, the story like um, Identity Crisis that we saw the dark side of having to do that. Yeah. And the social aspects of having changed somebody's mind. I'm not giving it away, by the way. Am I? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, I think I, like, I picked up a Smallville comic, mm-hmm. and there was a crossover between uh, Zatara and Constantine, and he treated her like, a, like she was like a, a second... Like a sec, like a one trick pony type thing. Like she has like magical powers, but he's like whatever he wields is like ten times better than what that what she can do. Which is her talking backwards thing. You know, it's an interesting. They, if you read it, I think I've got it somewhere. It's it's interesting that they, he would treat her like that. You know, you'd think that they would automatically like like each other because they're like in the magic world. But I guess. Just because the way that they, just the way that she does magic, he didn't like treat her so, you know. I think he, you, you're picking up on the thing about him. It's just like he always pretends that he's one step ahead of you. Yeah. So that's his game in general. And the other thing with that is that, let's be honest, Satana yeah. as a character never deals with demons, never deals with these primal forces that like come out. And even when he was just dealing with Swamp Thing, you're talking about a character that, you know, he is dirt, he is primal, he is like the, the spirit of the forest. There is nothing just creepier about that. You know, there's <laughs> something uniquely creepy about the, the, the hidden things in the forest, the things that, you know, like the, the biology of all these things. And, and like to me, Satana just kind of, she has a garden. Yeah. From here to here is where she lives. Here's where she gardens. She's pretty flowers and stuff. I mean, not taking it down on her, but I'm sure she's much richer of a character. But the way I've been introduced to her, she's very much simple. And then Constantine has this idea of into the woods, into the forest, into yeah. the night. Definitely, you know? yeah. She's like, she's. That's exactly how they treated her in that in that book. Like she doesn't have the the scope that he does, which is. 
which is cool to see him do stuff like that. And, and talking about like nature of the woods, in that one episode recently where he was dealing with the gypsy and the and the coal mine, that was re- that was really cool to see that type of you know that type of magic being being used against him and like he knew exactly what it was and everything. But uh, did you see that episode? No, I caught the episode. It was like the show is good because it has the potential to bring a lot of monsters of the week. Yeah. And give you an aspect of if every one of them being a, a piece of his history, a piece of of, uh, of appetites of, of the good qualities in human beings and the negative qualities of human beings, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the beautiful parts about it, and it's it's gonna play well. I, I'm kind of interested to see where they're gonna go with the show. I'm interested to see it go forward and just grow. It's one of those qualities where it's long storytelling. I hope they don't jerk us around with something. I, I yeah. hope that, you know, they give us something substantial. You know, an angel keeps showing up. I'm not giving anything away, but like an angel shows up in the, in the comic book. I mean, in the show, I'm kind of interested to see what Heaven's stake is in all this. Yeah. I just like the, um, the aspect that they, the, the directions that they can go with the show as far as magical stuff. Is really cool. It's the, the, the only problem with magical stuff is, like, you almost almost have like so much to write. You can write about, you know, and there's so much that you can do without being cheesy. It's it's hard, and it'll be fun to see what that what comes down in the show with that. You know, I I understand why you say it could be paralyzing. That's why I think they're still going off the book. Like they're trying to follow some of the original Hellblazer storylines. Yeah, and they've already introduced this notion that he used to have a rock band, punk rock band. It, it, like, let's, so you have all these elements kind of creeping into the fold. I'm gonna go back and probably read Constantine now. I am download. I'm started downloading it last week, but then I stopped because I had other things to download. But I'm definitely gonna download the whole thing and like go back through because it's like it's definitely in my like niche of like what I like. Um, what type of characters I like. I just think it's really interesting for them to take a, to take a character like Constantine and uh-huh. say we're going to make a show out of it. I mean, well, like that, I don't know, definitely people like that type of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, they've always touched upon, like, magic and stuff with, like, Buffy-type shows and, like, like they... they I like that it's not vampires, at least. We're tired of vampires. There's so many vampires on, on TV and movies and everything. To have this, like, human character that wields all this power is interesting. In general, Constantine is a, it's an interesting character just because of the way, what he represents. The idea that a human being can walk in there and take charge. Yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. Having seen the latest episodes, I'm like, this is getting really uh, yeah, dark. Go, really soon. I need to go catch up on that because it's. I missed. I missed. Uh, I missed the Halloween episode. The well, they had a new episode on Halloween, right? Right. And then I missed this week's because I was here. So I need to catch up. Okay, I got you. Just watch it, catch up. Uh, I would recommend that you guys that uh, you know you. I have two traits of uh, Hellblazers, uh, Hard Time, and Ride of Your Life, I think. And those are pretty good books. And in general, it just introduces, it has good standalone stories. The occult can be, I like the fact that they're bringing in Judeo-Christian occult because it, 
it used to be like any other uh, belief system. It started very much empirically. It started with this idea of the, the fact that you could conjure up angels and you could ask them for favors. Definitely. They, they would take care of you. They would. It, it would be disenchantments, these, these prayers that you could say. It, it was even almost, um, in, in early uh, Judaism, it was almost like this math equation that you could punch in and you know they can type out and, and and get something in return and as we become more established it become more of a community building aspect of it all of these aspects all of these weird aspects of our beliefs get kind of watered down and washed away you know and and you start to real and then you realize that all of these um, elements that you take for granted about your faith at some point had this very dark and even nefarious aspects to them i mean think about it it's like i think that we go back to the uh, to the idea of um uh, somebody's uh, in, in that religion that everybody has a cross now it's like that was where they crucified the guy that was a <laughs> yeah. means of executions i think yeah. this is an old joke but like you think like you know a thousand years from now we're gonna be walking around with a little electric chair because somebody's savior or somebody's messiah got killed on that. I mean, hey, if you think about it, they probably like took it as a. Um, I'm going to make. We're going to take take this terrible and gruesome thing and make it our make it our badge of honor kind of thing. You know, which is really weird. I've never thought of it like that, but if you if you really think about it, it's weird. It's like yes, let's let's take something that happened. Yeah, you know that's how hardcore we are. We. <laughs> We are willing to go that far. We are willing to get executed for what we believe in. You see that guy bleeding on that cross? He did that for us so we could be awesome. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think we're wandering into territories where we're going to start pissing people off. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Religion is one thing that... Well, that's a problem with uh, talking about like an occult type thing is because it dips so closely to it cuts, religion. Yeah, it, it dips into religion. One of the aspects I'll tell you is that we all all places of fairy tales where there's power and knowledge and something just strange waiting around the corner and as science has evolved and moved farther we've we've dispelled a lot of the myths we've dispelled a lot of the scary things but it's still fun to listen to the stories yeah it's fun to tell ghost stories around the campfire it's and it's fun to to explore these myths so I think that Constantine as a show is doing a good job exploring those ideas. And, and I would recommend that you people watch it and enjoy it for that particular reason. I don't know how long they're going to... We're, we're going to see if they actually get picked up for another season or not. When do they... i I got to look into when they actually... Normally it's a certain episode they know when they're going to pick up another season. Mm -hmm. but, but I don't know. I don't know what the viewership is like. I don't know what the viewership is like either. I always catch it on Hulu. I mean, I, I don't know what ratings they were expecting because they may be, again, hoping for a small hit or they were be saying, oh, God, we don't have another uh, small bill on our hands. Well, Friday is such a weird time slot, I would think. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what... I don't know what demographic that would be that would want to watch a show like that on, like, Friday. Maybe, like... Housewives or something like that that go on, don't go out on Friday nights? I don't know. Housewives everywhere have now decided to start going out on Friday nights. Oh, no. No. I've encouraged them to go out. Exactly. Uh, Forget this guy. 
I don't know either. I honestly want to know what demographic is trying to tap into. I, I'm kind of glad they uh, that the just the, oh, one of the positives, uh, like uh, the the women in the show are equal, are in, interestingly powerful. That that is kind of an interesting part part of the show. It's not they're not weak characters at all, and what we've seen. And uh, one of his uh, new companions is. Uh, a nascent and powerful person that's not a set, not a, you know, he does, she has not hit the sheets with him just yet. <laughs> but it's a David S. Goyer show, so he might get desperate and write that in. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I like how the one, the, the character, the woman character from the first episode didn't just like buy into it, right? Like, she helped. But she's like, you know, forget this. I'm not gonna do. It. She's the like taking. She's got the power, but she just like walked away from it. You know, like you have the choice to walk away from taking up a power like that, which is cool to show to like the, people that you have power and agency over your destiny. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to feel beholden to something. It's like as soon as it happens, you're like, what? What do you expect me to do? Go save the world? Well, yeah. Well, there, that's the that's the normal archetype of like more most like um, most like hero things. It's like, oh, you have power, you immediately have to start doing it. And this girl was like, well, no, no, I don't. And she walked away. And <laughs> you know, that, that's cool to like see see a character written like that. I'm tired of the the Harry Potters of the world. You know, like, oh, you you're a wizard, and you're going you're going to stop the Dark Lord. You're tired of the Harry Potters of the world? Yeah, well, there's like if just, you if you read if you've read like you're a just lot jealous of that he got a ginger, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, you're just yeah. jealous. You know it. <laughs> no, it, 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 I I understand that uh, what you're getting at is like there's this um, the journey of the hero repeating itself constantly. It's like, what about the guy that ran? What about the guy that said, "No, I'm going home now"? What about yeah. the guy that basically looked into the burning building and said? I am going home. Screw that noise. If, yeah. If you think about it, I mean, I don't know if Constantine is, if that character, if they, he's that type of character, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, he just seems like he has to do it. At, like, they, they, when they put us in this story, he's, like, stuck with this demon deal that he did where he pulled the, 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 the girl got pulled into hell and... Now he's got to figure out a way to do it, and everything from the beginning is him trying to like get her back, right? Or doing enough good to where he don't doesn't have to worry about like her or something like that. Strike another deal with another. Maybe he's like trying to find another demon to strike another deal to switch it or something like that. We all we all barter with the universe. You're like, okay, I will do this work for this much money, and I will do this to get that. Yeah. And we we all barter with our lives constantly, and the thing is that he's so into the red, though. He's so into dead with the rest of the world. I mean, you've sent an innocent soul to hell, and at that point, you're basically saying. Look, there's nothing, there's, there's one way and one road for me. How do I bring back from that? So, I, I don't know if, I don't know if he's trying to atone himself. I don't know if he's just trying to live with himself. But, um, there's, uh, there's a really good line in, in a story that says, there are sins you don't come back from. There are things that you have done that 
behold you to something darker. And the devil is not trying to tempt you anymore. The devil doesn't care. He's just waiting for your body to cease so that he can claim you. He can claim your soul. Because you're done. You're done for. I don't know if he thinks he still has redemption. Or I don't know if he's just trying to run out the clock and try to, you know, piss off his new owner before he gets there. Because there's nothing that is going to save him. Yeah. You know? That's a, that's another interesting thing about the show. Or about just like the character in general. Yeah. Good times. I know. As you can see, we are great at ending segments. Thank you, Draftsman, for saddling up and talking about the hard Constantine issues with me. For our last segment of this podcast, the special con podcast, we have the members of Zombie Squad here to talk with us about preparedness and other such things. And zombies. I think there's zombies in there. All right. Take it away. This is Naki coming from WindyCon with Clone Freak, and we have the Zombie Squad with us. If you guys want to introduce yourself and tell us what the Zombie Squad is. Hi, Naki. My name is Cliff. Uh, this is my cohort, Lisa. We are with the Chicago area chapter of Zombie Squad. Uh, Zombie Squad is a disaster preparedness education group. We talk to people about being ready for natural and man-made disasters, ranging from basic ones like fire and floods, all the way up through the rise of the undead, because if you're ready for zombies, you're ready for everything. That's true. Um, what is what? If, what would people absolutely need first thing if anything was to happen in like a natural disaster or a zombie uprising? To stay calm and have a plan. It's probably a good thing to do. What What would you recommend as a starting point for like a plan? Um, well, and it, it begins with the simple things like knowing. Uh, your escape routes, knowing where you're going to meet up with your family, uh, knowing how you can check in with other family members who are outside the disaster area to let them know that you're okay. Uh, and then on top of that, everyone should have basic preps for themselves and their family members, like three days worth of food and water for each member of the family, including your pets. Um, so extra clothing, copies of your insurance documents, your identification, anything that you might need if you have to leave your house quickly in the event of an emergency. Now, I've seen like survival classes and things like that. Would you recommend people take survival classes? It's like how to filter your own water. The, the, the first prep uh, is skills, and you can never have too many skills. You can't lose skills. You can't leave your skills behind. So we certainly recommend that people try to acquire as many skills as possible. Now, will a person need to be able to make fire by rubbing two sticks together? Well, this is the 21st century. We have big lighters now. Um, Which so, hopefully will not get taken out in, you know, some sort of super-powered revolution thing in, that they've got yeah, going on. I, I think the big lighters are going to be pretty safe uh, in an electromagnetic situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, skills are very good. Um, you got to kind of do a situational awareness uh, ask, uh, assessment and decide what's the important things to prepare for and then base your skill training on that. Definitely. Um, so... Every time that you watch, like, those disaster movies and stuff like that, the first thing that they say, you know, is you have to have water. Now, is that true, or is that is that something that you can 
come up with the long Why is um, If you were to watch some of the reality shows that are on TV right now, for instance, Naked and Afraid, which I Yeah, that's one I've show. seen. I'll, I've if seen you that watch one. enough of those, what is the one thing that is always taking out those contestants? They drink contaminated water right. and they get sick. Um, can you purify water under primitive conditions in the outdoors? Yes, absolutely. Humans have been doing that for tens of thousands of years. Um, is it always safe and easy? No. Um, so yeah, having some known safe water set aside is, is highly recommended thing. They recommend, uh, FEMA recommends a gallon per person per day. That's both for consumption and for washing and for washing your clothes and sanitation. Makes sense. So why did you choose the name Zombie Squad? Is it a way to hook people in or is it? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the zombies, uh, preparing for emergencies can be kind of a dull topic. Yeah. But if you start okay. if you if you start off by saying, Are you ready for the zombie apocalypse? People say, Wait, what? And then you get an opportunity <laughs> uh -huh. to talk to them. Makes um, sense. so it, it's it's a, it's a good hook to draw people in uh, to talk about a pretty much. Okay. Um, so how how is your responsibility with WindyCon? If you had a lot of people interested, you, uh, this is this is new for us. We we've never been to WindyCon before, so this is all this is a new one. We've been to WindyCon several times in the past. Uh, we've always had a good time here. We went close with the staff. Uh, in fact, there was just a little bit of excitement over here earlier in the hallway. Uh, unfortunately, uh, someone. Uh, had uh, some uh, just to uh, <laughs> unrest, as it were, um, and uh, we were uh, right there. So we just jumped in with our caution signs, and we were directing traffic and helping out the staff in any way possible. Um, so it's always worked out really well. For us. It was it was nice for us because it was actually right in front of our table. And uh, if you followed the Twitter feed over the weekend, uh, we were battling the zombie squad with chocolate and candies over the weekend as we were. As uh, one of the members of the zombie squad created a catapult and started pelting us with chocolate, with uh, candies. It was just a small catapult. It was a little one. It was made out of pencils and a fork, and I was actually really impressed with that. We we did not get a, get a retaliation catapult back together, but <laughs> it was fun. These were these guys were our neighbors throughout the con, and we're very friendly neighbors, which is always nice. <laughs> yeah, I like this con because. Um, uh, unlike some of the larger, more commercially oriented cons, at a con like this, you get an opportunity to sit and chat with people. Right. Uh, and you can really engage with your audience. Uh, and it's not just people streaming past nonstop and only taking 30 seconds to stop by your table. You yeah. can actually sit and have a uh, conversation. A really good, decent conversation, which uh, that was one thing that I wasn't prepared for, honestly. I'm used to, like, the big big cons, you, you get, like, maybe 30 seconds with somebody, and then they just keep moving on. And I'm like, oh, people actually want to talk to me. This is weird. <laughs> So, um, what would what would be your recommendation uh, for other chapters, or if you were to if you were trying to recruit somebody into Zombie Squad, what would you tell them? Um, well, Zombie Squad is a volunteer organization. Um, we are volunteer operated, volunteer funded. Um, so, really, the most important thing, if you'd like to join the Zombie Squad, the most important thing is to just show up, lend a hand. We will never turn away someone who wants to help out with one of our charity events. We do a lot of charity events throughout the area, um, and we will never turn away anyone who wants to learn more about personal preparedness. What kind of charity events do you do? Um, well, right now, for instance, we're putting together a cold uh, weather clothing and blanket drive for a local homeless outreach program. Um, we've also done canned food drives for them. Um, some of our other chapters have done events like uh, blood drives, um, mock disasters where people can come and practice their skills that simulate, okay, a tornado just hit, and there are these people trapped under this debris. Mm -hmm. what, how are you going to rescue them? How are you going to treat them? You know, 
practice right. your skills. So that's really cool. Pra practical uh, training. Like that. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So um, just showing up and, and pitching in is yeah. the most important thing. That's really cool. Um, so how does one get involved? How, where, where's the starting point? Uh, well, the first thing that people can do is go to our website at www.zombiehunters.org. Okay. Uh, we have a website, we have a uh, discussion forum, a rather extensive discussion forum with tens of thousands of active members. Uh, we have a wiki, uh, we have a blog. Um, we are also our local chapter, Chapter 20 in Chicago, is on Facebook, so people can check us out on Facebook. Uh, and they can always email us at csc020 at zombiehunters.org. Very cool. Um, um, what would be what would be something that uh, of WindyCon that stuck out to you? What did you really like about here? Well, besides besides our digestion track <laughs> issue that we had. Um, well, like I say, WindyCon is a very intimate con, and I, I, I think we formed a great connection with both the staff and the regular attendees. Um, so seeing a lot of the people that we've seen in years past, like this wonderful <laughs> gentleman who just walked past the way, um, it's always heartwarming when people recognize us from past cons, other cons in the area. Uh, it's, it's all about the people. It's all about the fans. Yeah. This one is, this one is, is much... Much more intimate, much more family gathering esque than I than what I've been attending. You know, it's we got to teach a lot of people about preparedness, and a lot of people come up saying, "Well, how do I even start?" And if you have nothing at all, a good way to start is grab a plastic bag, like a jewel bag or something, and tonight put a bottle of water in it. A couple of days later, put a snack in it. When you're ready, put a change of clothes in it. Then maybe put some cash in it. Then maybe swap out that plastic bag for a, like a canvas bag or a backpack. And soon you're more prepared than some other people. Yeah. Preparedness is a lifestyle. It's not something that you do all at once and then you're done yeah. doing it. Right. right. Uh, putting aside, as she said, uh, a little bit of extra. Every time you go to the grocery store, buy one extra thing to put aside in your emergency room. Oh, right. and we met um, a man this weekend who we met a couple years ago, and he's like, you guys changed my life. The one man that we met, uh, we first thought about preparedness, and then he came back, and now he's... He's prepared, and he brainstormed ideas with us. That's really and, cool. And as I was saying, he did, he did it a little bit at a time, yeah. um, and it took him some while. And he took him some time, and he said he's still like organizing and trying to figure out what his approach is going to be like. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he's now thinking about it and taking action, which is more than a lot of people. Right. So, like, not you're not telling people to like start right away with getting a bunker underground no, or anything no, no, like no. that. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's that's for you guys, and then everybody else is on their own. <laughs> You've got to kind of assess the dangers that face you based on where you are, and, and decide which emergencies are most likely, and then for the most likely emergencies. Like, can you prep for an alien invasion? Yes, you can. What are the likelihood that the aliens are going to land tomorrow? Uh, I'm guessing it's more likely that I might be involved in a car accident, yeah. right. or I might have a house fire, um, or someone in our, in our family might become injured. That um, happened to me, actually. I, I had some supplies at home, um, food like FEMA and everybody tells you to have, and then I was in a freak accident, and was on bed rest for about two years, and 
those supplies, well, not two years worth, but you know, it's, I it's still have, was able to, to help me. So she didn't so, have to run out to the store quite so often. Right. She had more um, resilience. Job loss or two zombies that we prepared for. Yeah, which makes sense. FEMA likes to talk about resiliency and uh, community preparedness, mm -hmm. having assets in place so that when something does go wrong, you bounce back. Faster. You yeah. can't. You can't prevent the emergencies, but you can ameliorate the you, after effects. Right. You can make it a less of a blow. Definitely. Like it was. My, uh, it's funny. Growing up, I was in Girl Scouts, so like that's one of the mottos is always be prepared. So like, like them, my mom makes fun of me because I I keep tons of stuff in my car, but it's like a change of clothes, a, a blanket, a pillow, because you never know the car Absolutely. can break down. Um, just, just a couple of years ago, we had people on Lakeshore Drive, Lake Michigan, oh, right. getting frozen in their cars by all the frozen Yeah, that was actually last year from, because um, uh -huh. it was turned like negative 55 degrees or right. something and like I'll that. Right. Those people were wishing they had an extra blanket or an extra jacket in, in the yeah, car with or them. Or filled up their gas tank when they should have. That one, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of doing that like all the time, because I'm just like, maybe if I wait a day, it'll go down a couple cents and I can... Get more gas in my car. I'm I'm terrible at that. I'm, I I procrastinate. I know I do. And it's really about so it is really about small behavioral changes over time. Yeah. Adds up. You shouldn't run out and try to buy five years worth of food at once. No. You can. There are places that'll sell you five years <laughs> worth of prepared food. They'll, they'll ship it out on a truck, and you'll need a forklift to unload it. Oh, that's uh, that's a little much. But no, for me. That's, yeah, that's. But you could certainly buy an extra box of pasta. Third uh, away, uh, an extra bag of rice, set right. that aside, a couple mm -hmm. jugs of water, put, yeah. that, put that up in the basement. Uh, or, you know, it can be really enjoyable. My wife is into canning. So she cans tomatoes, yeah. she cans jams and jellies and vegetables. We do that at home. We, um, we have our garden. Because then you're, then you're stocking the foods that you like to eat anyway. Right. You don't want to run out and buy 50 pounds of lima beans. Do you like lima beans? No. I don't like lima beans. I don't know anybody who actually likes lima beans. Lima beans. <laughs> oh, do you really? Lima beans are easy to store, <laughs> but they're... <laughs> You know, they are calories, they will keep you alive, but, uh, you know, maybe you should reconsider what you're prepping. See, I like white beans and rice, but I don't like lima beans. I don't know. <laughs> beans and rice is a classic survivalist food. I mean, that's, that's a very balanced it's, diet. Right it's there. very protein-heavy, and it, and it tastes, if made right, it tastes really good. You can make it very Cajun-style if you need the spices. And it's very easy to store and prepare. Um, all you need is to be able to heat up a little bit of water, and you can, you can make the beans and rice. Yeah. yeah, big fan of beans and rice. I actually live off of that now, you know, so. <laughs> See, you're prepping all that. Exactly. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> okay, so what would be the number one thing you want to tell everybody about Zombie Squad or about preparedness? I guess my number one message would be to uh, stop being complacent about whether or not something could ever happen to you. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a direct incident. We have a chapter in St. Louis, and you can imagine that they're dealing with a lot of civil unrest down there and the threat Just of Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit of civil unrest. Right? So it's not always what happens crazy. to you. It's also what happens in your neighborhood. Right. Um, so uh, people have got to uh, start taking more responsibility for taking care of themselves because government isn't always going to be there for you. If there's a if there's a large incident, the police are going to be busy. The firemen are going to be yeah. busy. They're going to be elsewhere. They won't get around to you for a long time. Even in, in like a large scale emergency, FEMA won't even put boots on the ground for 72 hours. They right. can't get anywhere for 72 hours before they can start rendering help. So in those critical hours, right after an incident, you have to be prepared to take care of yourself and take care of your family. Right. 
and you can't always assume that someone else is going to do it for you you have to be ready to do it for yourself right. and that would be my biggest message a lot of our zombie squad members are also members of things like CERT which is the community emergency response team which we take classes for and practice and that's, also that's ham radio training. operators okay. the CERT program is free training you can check in with your local fire department and okay. they'll be able to hook you up the program they'll teach you uh, uh, disaster response uh, skills mm -hmm. they'll set you up equipment hard hat get uh, a dust mask mm -hmm. uh, flashlight utility, uh, utility wrench so you can shut off the gas in your home so that you don't risk the fire right right um, all those basic things free uh, through FEMA you can check in with your local fire department to get more information about that's really cool I did not know that was a thing so that's cool I am learning so much today <laughs> because in, and the federal government sees it in, as in their interest for each of us to be able to take care of ourselves right so that they don't have to that makes sense I mean the in, in the case of, a, of the apocalypse or whatever there's no sense of entitlement no matter who you are you, know, you can't have that oh I'm so and so obviously I should be taking care of first well it doesn't matter and that, that's a that's a key message and that's probably one reason why the survivalist community intersects so nicely with the zombie community is that in both cases it's taking personal responsibility for your own well-being right right that's not a really for someone else to take care of you but take care of yourself I like that I like that just in general, like you should be able to take care of yourself. You shouldn't be waiting by something else. So I like, yes, big fan of self-sufficiency. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys coming Thanks. by. It's been great hanging out with you guys this yeah. weekend. It's, it's been, been so much fun. fun. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and now I know how to make a catapult out of pencils and a. Be prepared. Next time we run into you, we're bringing out the big guns. It might be Capricorn. We're we're, we're looking at Excellent. it. So we'll definitely be a Capricorn. That will be super cool. All right. Thank, thank you so much. I appreciate you. it. Thank you guys. Just lovely. Well, it seems that our time here is up. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this as much as we did recording this. And we hope that you check out the show information where we will be posting all the information from our guests in the show notes. So you can go visit their websites or Twitter accounts or whatever the kids do nowadays. And once again, this is Keith, a.k.a. Clone Freak One. Signing off for the ATGN random podcast in the middle of the week from the WindyCon 2014. It's a long-running con. It's been going on for 41 years. It's real friendly. If you live in the Chicagoland area, I suggest you check it out next year. We will also be probably doing a Capricorn, which is also in the Chicago area. Um, it's in the north side of Chicago. So we will be enjoying that in February, I believe. And that's that's going to be an interesting sight to see. We'll probably see the zombie squad again. And once again, thank you for listening to this long, extra long, special podcast from All Things Good and Nerdy. Be sure to check us out on Sundays at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time. Thanks again, everybody, and have a wonderful rest of the week. Well, you can cut a lot. You can. I'm going to cut some stuff out. Cut, and then cut we'll, me out. We'll have, cut you completely out. Yeah, cut me completely out. With myself. This, okay. is, um, a, this is a podcast. A podcast that... Uh, we're sometimes special guests on.
One of the, the this is all things good and nerdy. It's one of the first streaming shows that's on YouTube. Um, they usually do the recording of it on Sunday mornings live, and then they have a live. Uh, they have a a chat room that they're interacting with the fans. They they kind of go over the news of the week, discuss the new things that they've seen, and that's that's one of their things. They kind of roll on it. Uh, one of the good things is that they have different aspects of it, like different aspects of. It's not like they're just talking about one thing. Right. It's like this uh, is um a this is a podcast, a podcast that uh, we're sometimes special guests on. One of the this is all things good and nerdy. It's one of the first streaming shows that's on YouTube. Um, they usually do the recording of it on Sunday mornings live, and then they have a live. Uh, they have a a chat room that they're interacting with the fans. They're, they they kind of go over the news of the week discuss the new things that they've seen and that's that's one of their things they kind of roll on it uh one of the good things is that they have different aspects of it like different aspects of it's not like they're just talking about one thing right it's like the gonna geek network has like a series of shows they've done one on arrow which is called star interview they've done one on um the flash which is uh, red mercury the crimson comet the crimson comet yeah, we, we're we're a big we're a part of a bigger podcast network called Gonna Geek, right? Which, so that's the fun part of it, and and the good thing is that uh, I, I I'm not on camera all the time, so you don't have to listen to me, but I will write in a comment and, and try to embarrass Nicky. Yeah, who's one of the hosts? And it's like um, I think one of my one of my favorite ones was when she was talking about she was um, she was a stage coordinator for a comic book show, and then she's like. So, who was your favorite guest? Well, you know, John Barrowman is really fun because I got to hang out with him and his husband. And his husband, but John Cusack is John Cusack. He's been making movies forever, right? Right. And then I told her. So, I basically typed in the question. I'm like, so whose marriage would you wreck, John Cusack's marriage or John Barrowman's marriage? And she's like, well, John Cusack. She said it, guys. She's so liberal. She's attacking traditional marriage and defends the sanctity of gay marriage. And she says, I don't have the equipment to violate that marriage. I'm like, that doesn't mean you can't try. All right, guys. Thanks for checking out our holiday show. We'll be back next week as a regular live show at 10 a.m. Central Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time at live.a2gnpodcast.com. If you have any comments or anything, feel free to drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. You can also call our Google Voice number. And I don't have one either. Just kidding. Um, it's on our website. Go look at our website. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.